Hey, Emily. Hey, Stephanie. You uh, want to do a podcast? Absolutely. Welcome to Cycle Chats, a podcast to destigmatize what it means to be a woman. This is episode 17, Matchmaking Magic, with the co-founder of Matchmakers in the City, an expert on all things love, dating, and relationships, Christina. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. It's so great to be here with you ladies. So I find what you do so interesting. I have to say that I'm a huge binge watcher of Millionaire Matchmaker. So I am very curious to know the insides of what this job actually is. So my first question is always, what made you get into this field? Well, it was really a lifelong joy and love of my, both my sister and myself were the co-founders of Matchmakers in the City and to set people up and to get them ready for dates and help them to become the best versions of themselves so that they could meet the right person and they could attract the person who they want to be with. So we did this ever since we were little girls. Actually, I think our first match was probably in something like second grade or maybe even earlier than that. We were inspired by the movie Clueless. So I think that's probably when it came out around for us. Now, when I studied Jane Austen, I realized that Clueless was based on Emma, which I love, but it's really been my life. This Emma and Clueless has made me into the woman I am today. It's the best bio ever. Yes, it's true. I actually got my master's at Oxford and studied Jane Austen, love, courtship, relationships, dating, everything. I, I focus on that in her novel. I was studying English literature, but my lens was on her novels. And it really was one of those things that we were doing, my sister and I were doing naturally all of our lives. A lot of our friends who we set up in high school and college, they stayed together. And when we we realized, when we, we came together after I graduated and after my sister graduated from school, we realized, okay, this we need to make this a company. There are so many people who are asking us to matchmake them. And this is what we're the most passionate about over every other thing. And we both have such a strong work ethic. So it started like that. And then we've been doing this for, we've had matchmakers in the city for 10 years now. So it started very small in an office, our small office in Beverly Hills. And then it just kept growing with more and more people. And now we work with thousands of members all over the US and all over the world. So it's just amazing to see the growth, but really what got me into it, it's where my passion met the world's deepest need. And I think that's a quote from his name is Frederick Buchner. And I'm not saying the exact quote that he said, but I've heard this said in many different ways. And I, I just find that it's when you are doing what you are called to do, that is what it is. It's your passion meeting what the world really needs. And so many people are yearning for true love and yearning for that relationship, but also to feel that they're loved. So this is part of what we do. And that's what got us into it. I guess, where do you start? What do you look for when you're matching people? Where do you start? What's the process like? We have three main deal breakers and those are non-negotiables for us, which are if they, the person wants to get married, if they want to have children, and if 
religion is important to them and what religion they want to date within. Want to get married goes without saying. Most people do and or are open to it. You do have a few people here and there who are against it and don't want to get married and we can't match make those groups together. Second, want to have children. That's another something that can be divisive for people if they don't want that. We've seen, that's why it's really wonderful to work with a matchmaker because we've seen, I've date coached a lot of people who aren't doing memberships with us, but they dated on their own before us. And they spent years or months from days to months to years with people who weren't compatible on those, either of those areas. And you feel like, okay, that sounds so obvious. Wouldn't they find that out? But it's a very awkward question to ask in the beginning of a relationship if the person wants to get married, what their timeline is, wouldn't they feel like engagement is appropriate? All of these questions, if they want to have children, those are things that we discern and we we interview for, but it's not very easy to do on your own. And then religion is religion important. That's also big for us too. We have a lot of members. We have members of all different faiths practicing all different religions, but we do have specific, if someone only wants to date a Christian, we will only match them with Christians. If they only want to date Jewish people, we will only match them with Jewish people. So those are the three main things, kind of like the more mathematical answer to your question. But we also look at attraction. When I think about this question, that attraction is actually the first thing that comes up for me because we need to ensure as best as possible that these people are going to be attractive to each other, whether it's, and it's not just physical. There are other components of what attraction means because that is something that it's very hard to quantify. But as a matchmaker, you can, you have a gift for knowing these things, having a knack for who will just be glued to each other because of all of the insight that we have into people and how the mind works. So that's an important component. And then, as I mentioned, religious compatibility, even if they're not practicing whatever faith. It needs to be a lifestyle that works for the other person. It can't be a situation where someone's trying to convert the other person. So I've dated outside of my beliefs twice. And the first time, and this kind of plays into the next question, the first time, and I was really young. So I didn't, I liked him and I didn't want to say something wrong. So I was like, no, I would totally be willing to convert. And it was a whole thing. And then I was like, you know, as I started getting older, I was like, like more, I guess, progress more in the relationship, I realized, you know, I don't know that that's, I really got to like know what my beliefs are. And I realized I started coming to terms with work. I realized that wasn't a match. Do you find that some people will like someone so much that they'll forego their own sense of self to stay in the relationship? And then how do you combat that? Because I'm sure there are people that'll come to you and be like, oh, he's so gorgeous or she's so gorgeous. And, you know, it's, I'm okay with whatever, whatever they want. How do you, how do you work around something like that? That is so hard because when you're drawn to someone, it's easy to just throw away everything for that person, but it ends up putting that person on a pedestal or even idolizing that person. And if we have a person in the place of God, it's not good because we end up degrading ourselves and 
and we end up becoming doormats for that person. And a lot of times when people come to us, they may have done that in the past. I think a lot of people, almost everyone, I mean, must have guilty. done it at some point. Yeah, I know. <laughs> also guilty. Right, me too. Big time. I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? Right. It's true. It's it's that's why I, I say this with all the grace because we a lot of people have gone through it and we know the struggle. It's not an easy thing to come out of. When I'm working with people, they may have already gone through it, but they realize that now I know that my values are the most important thing. And even as much as I'm attracted to someone, I don't even want to go, I don't even want to try it because I can, we can all be attracted to a lot of people. It's That's the truth. And you might have a connection and amazing chemistry with someone who doesn't have your values and who is a flake and who just curses all the time or whatever the things are that don't match up with your set of values and how you want to raise your future children. That's why it's also really good to come to a matchmaker because we don't even, we won't even introduce them to people who aren't aligned with them in that way. So you kind of save yourself from the heartache that can happen when you're dating someone who is wonderful, but it just, it's just going to be a, a heartbreak. Now, do you find that this is a problem that women and men have at younger ages? Do you find this is a problem that they still have in their older age? Because we have listeners all over the map. Stephanie and I were teachers at a children's theater before this. So some of them listen to this, some of our little 13-year-old girls, and they're you know, first getting into dating. And I want them to be strong, passionate, able to pick a good match for them and not have to go through the same stuff that I did. So do you find that it's the same for everyone that you have to learn that lesson so that you know what's right? Mm, That's a great question. And I think that you don't need to learn it the hard way. If we, we, sometimes you're not raised with that knowledge that we live in a culture that's basically do whatever you want, whenever you want. So unless you have parents who have told you this is, this is a good way to go and then you could disobey it, but yeah, okay. That was your choice. But a lot of people don't have that that knowledge or wisdom or haven't seen it crash and burn. And maybe you're watching shows that are affirming what you think is the right way is the open way of doing things, but it doesn't show the heartache on the other side. So for these lovely young ladies, I would say definitely listen, learn from your wonderful Emily and Stephanie and know that you don't have to repeat those same patterns. And that when you want to be with the right man, who's going to cherish you and love you. You want to be with someone who has really a good character and stand up values and is consistent, which isn't always the most appealing for young women. We we often like it when a man is hard to get, but that's the whole idea of intermittent reinforcement where it's more, it's more, I guess it makes us more excited because we're only getting a little bit. We're getting the breadcrumbs. So then we want more food. And they did a study on lab rats. So if they would feed them regularly, or if they would give them the food at different periods and they would get so much more just that anxiety and energetic, obviously, when they were getting the intermittent reinforcement. So it's something that we almost have to train ourselves out of because as humans, we like the instant gratification. We like that roller coaster feeling, but and sometimes for people, it will take 
going through the heartbreak, but for others, you can learn and not have to do that. You said that roller coaster feeling. I mean, isn't that just the truth? Emily and I talk about this all the time because prior to the partner I'm with, you know, you think like big fireworks and anxiety and your heart racing is like that edgy feeling. You're like, oh, I'm in love. But when I finally got with my partner and we had our first kiss, I remember feeling total serenity. And I just said, I, in my head, I said, I'm home. And it was unlike a feeling I've ever had before. And so I think that's very interesting that you bring that up because we, and I, I would say we as women more so, are conditioned to buy into this idea that if you're not feeling crazy emotions all the time, then you're not in love and you need to fight for your love. And I just don't think that that's true. And I wish more people would understand that. So when you're coaching, besides marriage, children, and religion, what are three qualities that you look for when trying to match? That is said so beautifully, Stephanie, about the how people are are thinking love is going to be and love is going to go. But that deep abiding peace is really what to look for when you're, okay, relationships, dating, there's going to be anxiety here and there, but it's, it shouldn't be the overwhelming feeling and it shouldn't be something you're hiding under the rug either. Because I know a lot of people and I've experienced it myself where we try to live in this alternate reality where I remember just ignoring the really deep pain inside when you're dating someone who isn't right for you. So it really is being connected internally and knowing. And I actually coach our members to that because the journey to love is a mind, body, soul journey. It's not just a one, one of those. It's, it encompasses everything. So the soul part of that is making sure that People are spending time in their day that's dedicated to soul time, that's dedicated to meditating, prayer, reflection, and not giving because we are, especially as women, always giving, 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 always trying to be productive. Our society is very production oriented. And yes, work is wonderful, but we also do need to tend to our interior castle, which is beautiful. But if we don't, then we will have nothing to give. So I tell our members when they're going through the journey to make sure you do that because you'll also be more attractive to when you have that dialed in and yourself that will make you radiate and you will be irresistible to people and especially to the right person for you. So in terms of, I guess the, I would like to talk about maybe what men typically say when they're looking and then what women say when they're looking. So for men, these three qualities I, I get so often and it's warmth, femininity, and a woman who's passionate about something other than him. And this works in women's favor because a lot of us do have incredible passions. And if we don't, it's a call to say, you know what? Maybe before you're supposed to meet the right person, there's other things in your life that you're supposed to explore and you're supposed to enrich yourself with. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I desperately wanted to get married and have children, but it wasn't my time. And then 
this business just skyrocketed. And then as that was happening, I met my husband along the way. So I, I think that that's something that's really important for, for us to pay attention to. And then warmth is also really important because the worst date feedback that we get is if a date, they're both attracted to each other, but the guy said, oh yeah, I'm not asking her out again. She did not seem like she was into me. But she writes to us saying, why hasn't he texted me? And it's because she was not showing her enthusiasm on the date. So that warmth is also irresistible. And a lot of times women will downplay this because they don't want to seem too into the guy. But if you are showing your warmth on the date, that's the best way. It's much better than texting them the next day or calling them or doing anything. Let them reach out to you, but show that on the date, be really present. And then the femininity is important too, because men do want to feel like a man and they want to be able to, they enjoy when a woman takes her time to get ready for the date. They appreciate everything that goes into what what we have to do as women and they do have to get ready too but it's not the same for ladies as for guys getting ready for a date I like that you show the difference between what men and women want I have to know though have you ever gotten somebody you felt was just being unrealistic oh yes and I guess I didn't even answer the question of what women are looking for either so let me answer your question first and then I'll tell you what I typically get with women saying but we have had people come in who are telling us that they want the worlds and they basically aren't willing to put in anything for it. And that's probably when we suggest date coaching to begin with, because if it's unrealistic what they're looking for, it's not going to be productive matchmaking. We can't matchmake someone if they're not realistic about who people are and people are imperfect. You also, I feel like, have to like have a some sense of self. I know for me, I didn't even like take time to know me and date me and do things with myself. It was always just like I'm gonna get a partner and I'm gonna get married and I'm gonna and it, and I realized how why I was like how come these relationships aren't working out? And then I realized I could not fill the void inside of me with a relationship. It was just gonna keep the same things were gonna keep happening. I had to start taking care of, like you said, mind, body, and soul. You have to know who you are just a little bit. And what are things that are the, the deal breakers for you? Every little thing isn't going to just connect with one another. No. So it's good that you offer something separate as well. Like that you say, I think you'd be a good candidate for coaching. And then you can get to the good stuff because it's just going to be self-sabotage the entire time. And you're going to feel like you're, you're wasting your time. They're wasting their time and everyone's wasting each other's time. And it's like, that's not the point of it. You want to find love. So learn to have a little love for yourself along the way. That's said also beautifully. I think those are really important things for people knowing as they're going into the journey of love. We also have to be aware that most people have been raised in this culture where we think that love is going to solve all of our problems and we're going to be saved by the relationship. And if you listen to pop radio from a long time, and I know when I was growing up, every song on the radio is about your significant other and just idolizing this other person and they're so happy or they're sad and all of it, that's what is idolized. And it doesn't surprise me that so many people have been on a journey where they think that's going to fill them, but realize, nope, it's actually not. What do women look for? Yes. Okay. So for women, I would say emotional and financial stability is one of them. And it's very interesting because 
Men typically think that financial stability is the most important. However, I just am reading a book called Four Men Only by Shanti and Feldman. And as well as I don't, I don't know her husband's name. I forget what it is, but it's a really great book. And he talks to the men saying that actually emotional stability is more important for women than financial stability. Even though you want to make sure that you're stable in all areas of your life, we all have issues with here and there. There, but the majority of things you've handled, I think that's very important for women because we want a level of security when we're in a relationship. We don't want to be wondering, oh, where is he going tonight? Is he, he's hitting on all these women when we're out. So just that is the worst possible thing to walk into when you're in a relationship. And it is important to have a career that is at least supporting yourself. Some women are okay with men who who don't have that provider job. Maybe some women like having the the better job and, and being with a more creative type man. I found that to be more rare though with the people who I work with. Even if the women are top at their career, they want someone who is also bringing a similar level of stability. It's been some people, it's, those have been fun memberships though, because we get to use some of the, more, the creative guys and I really like doing that. But that would be one thing. Attraction is also important usually for women. And then humor, I get a lot too. They, a lot of women say they want someone who they can joke around with. And I think humor is so different. That's why when you say humor, it's not just about a guy who's a comedian or the funniest person in the room. If you can have that witty banter, that's what I think a lot of people are looking for. It's like Jessica Rabbit says, the detective's like, you know, why are you, what do you see in this guy? And the rabbit, she's like, oh, he makes me laugh. And as a kid, I was just like, yes. I get it. It just, I, there is something to that that makes you feel very, you just, it's, you connect in a way that's light, that's airy, it's not so heavy, it's not so serious. And I think if you can laugh your way through certain things, you find that you're able to resolve the really serious stuff better. In my experience with my partner, we use humor a lot in resolution to any issue we may have, and it's been really healthy how we do it. And it always finds that it diffuses anything before it escalates to a level that neither one of us can handle and goes kind of in. And sometimes it makes us realize what we're frustrated about is like silly because we're utilizing humor in the right way. Obviously not everything is a joke. Some stuff you shouldn't be like, you know, it's sometimes you're like, no, we have to talk about this. Like <laughs> can't take the clown nose off. Let's have this conversation. I want people to listen to what you're saying because we all need need more humor in our lives. And we live in a very serious, contentious world that I think could benefit a lot from that strategy of knowing, okay, it's not the end of the world. We're going to talk about it. We need to have honest communication. And yes, there may be emotions and we may cry, but let's look at the lighter side of things. We need to have joy in our lives and humor is that's very important. So it's a great conflict resolution tip, I would say. So what advice do you give to couples to them back on the same page and kind of keep that spice and that love alive in the relationship? I love this question because it's so, I hear the phrase, oh, we drifted apart or we now have very different interests and we're on different pages now in the spark. Yeah, that's going to happen unless we work on the relationship. 
relationship together. Relationships, it's take investment. Even when you're married, it doesn't automatically, oh, we're married now. It's everything's good. We still have to work on that relationship, especially when people are spending so much time together in the same house that they can't do many things now in the world that we're living in. It's used to be we would have more hobbies so we could get out of the house more but now when people the divorce rate has gone up and the reason they explain is oh I, we finally were able to come to terms with our relationship no that's not true you yeah you had to spend more time with each other and it's harder to to do that so spend that time and work on the relationship together and just know that that can happen with anyone it's there's no panacea for this there's not that's going to happen with the next person meet and marry and the next person too it's we're all human and no human can fill us that's i think we're getting back to in the beginning of when we were speaking of having an unrealistic expectation of what marriage is going to be. So to keep the spark alive, I think it is really having routines that you do together. For instance, a monthly check-in and having things and a mission statement for your relationship. Matthew Kelly has a great book called The Seven Levels of Intimacy. And do you know about this, Stephanie? I, I do. Oh, but explain, please explain, go. I, I want to hear. When I coach our members to really go by what he says by creating that relationship mission statement, saying that what our goal is to help each other become the best version of ourselves, or you create your own. And then you have a list of things you're going to do every month to help accomplish this because you're on a mission together when you're in a relationship. And yeah, we all have different interests. No one's the same. Sometimes the interests bring us together. Sometimes they allow us to have some quality time without the other person. I hate hearing that from people because marriage is hard. Of course, there are many, many different factors. I don't mean to be blanketing everyone who's getting a divorce in the pandemic. So I don't think that I'm doing that, but it is difficult. And that's why keeping the spark alive and working together on your relationship, whether it's getting more time separate with with other friends or spending more time together, being intentional about your relationship. Those are key elements to allowing that relationship to flourish. Like you said, relationships are really hard. No matter what relationship you're in, all relationships, whether it be a mom and a daughter, a father-son, a sibling relationship, whatever relationship you are in, it is a two-way street and you both have to be able to give and receive. And I think a lot of the time in relationships and, and let's say marriage, what happens is, is that one person stops giving or receiving and the road splits and people don't know how to merge them back together. And they say, well, that's it. I'm, I'm done. We can't get back to the way we were. So that's it. I, I have to call it quits, but you're right. It's going to happen again and again and again, because it's, it's a pattern. But if the relationship is worth it, to you, you work at it. We work every day. It, it's a job. It is a job. I have now said this many times, love is a choice. That's something that I keep saying. It's not an emotion. It is a choice. You are choosing that person again every day. And it takes hard work. People do not understand until you are 
in it, like totally involved in it. And this pandemic has basically forced you to be in it or say no. So I I think it's really, it's really interesting because when I was younger, I was in relationships as most women were, I think, and are where I was like, ah, I love them. They're perfect. This is great. And then it just ended. And I'd be like, oh, oh, okay. But I was, okay, okay. I still wanted to work at it, but that that's fine. That's fine. So it took me a really long time to find somebody who's willing to work with me. And that's my husband now. We just kind of like both met at the right time in the right place. And it was like, oh, okay. This person is willing to work with me. Let's go on this journey together and see where it brings us. So my whole point and story is to bring me to a question that I had to write down earlier because I'm very curious to know what your thoughts are on it. Do you believe in soulmates? Ooh. Okay. And I think you've partly answered, given me the my answer in the beginning of what you were saying, because I do believe that love is a choice as well. And both people have to choose each other continually. And also God is involved in this relationship too, because we're answering to a higher power. It's not just about what I want or what he wants. We have this three bond in a braid, and that is what really strengthens the relationship. So that's where the soul part comes in, in the soulmate. And when you meet that person who, because yeah, there will be a lot of people who I have chosen or have chosen me, but it wasn't ever both of us choosing together and over and over and over again. So I think that is probably the best definition of a soulmate because there's so many ways to get a relationship to marriage is impossible by human standards, probably. There's so much that can get in the way of a relationship leading to marriage. But if it gets there, wow, wow, that's a really special relationship. And as humans, we often forget that because we're in our daily mundane lives. We may have exciting things here and there, but generally life has its everyday boring times. And we forget the miracle that brought us together with the person who we're with. So that's what I would say with soulmates. I love that question though. Do you have a favorite matchmaking story from your time being a matchmaker? Is there one that sticks out? I love thinking about our matchmaking stories. And probably one of my favorites is we were working with a, worked with a bachelorette who I think met one of us at church or something like that. And she was just, I think, recently turned 40 at a major, major job in entertainment. So really high powered career. Her dream was to be married and have children. And she came to us almost in tears saying, I don't think that will ever happen. I've spent all of my youth pursuing my career and neglecting relationships, but also being open. It just never really happened. But now I'm finally taking the step of working with you, but I feel like I'm past my due date and past my prime and all of that. So it was just, we felt for her, it was such a beautiful journey to see her open up because there were some walls that she had on her journey. It was not a perfect journey to love. We ended up introducing her to her now husband and they have, I think at least one child at this point and live in a mansion in Malibu. So (laughs) she has her dream come true. The theme of that and the moral 
moral of that, that I want all the listeners to know it's, it's never too late to meet that person, but start sooner rather than later. Start when you're ready. When you say, you know what? I want to be with the right person. I want to get married. I want to have a family. Start then. Don't keep putting it off because you can also just avoid a lot of anxiety and, and heartache with starting as soon as possible, but never think it's too late for you because there are some beautiful dream come true stories that we've seen and helped facilitate. Thank God. So Christina, I need to know what does women empowerment mean to you? Yes. I love the word women empowerment, but I, I don't look at power in the way that the world might see power. To me, women empowerment means the ability for us to follow the calling that we have on our lives and pursue that to its fullest. It doesn't mean changing ourselves so that we can be the perfect, some other career that isn't actually what we really want to do. Because I think a lot of times people will make it sound like we're in competition with men and it's not, we're not. Every single person has a unique calling on his or her life and the ability to strive for that is what I find empowering, but it doesn't mean also taking power away from people in a grabby way. It's more of just pursuing it and not dumbing myself down for people because it's easy for women. I know in college, it was very easy to, to not speak up in class. If, if I wanted to impress a guy, for instance, I think women really need to allow themselves to be themselves and allow themselves to have that freedom and pursuing joy and pursuing peace, but not feeling that we need to compete or we need to take over the world or we need to be the same, do the same things that men do all the time. It's sometimes women have certain things that only women can do and men have certain things that only men can do. So there are differences. But I think that's probably the best way that I can say it. And especially for the young ladies who are listening to really allow themselves to pursue different passions that they might have. What is that passion that meets the world's deepest need and see where that takes you? Since we were just talking about those young girls, what advice would you give your 15 year old self? I actually wrote an article about this. It's called what I wish I knew when I was single, Confessions of a Married Matchmaker. I, and I will send you a link to this article. It's on our website, but I'll send you a link to it. So I would say the two things that come to mind for me to tell my 15-year-old self would be that, first of all, it's not a competition. And second of all, that it's not a race. And I think we, we live in a very competitive culture, especially women with each other. And I always tell our bachelorettes that you never have to compete for a man's attention. Or if she can get him, she can keep him. You don't want a man who's being pursued like that. You want the man who is pursuing you to, and who sees that special part of you. So it's that competitive piece that really drove me crazy, not just in romance, but in my, just everything I was doing in high school and college. And I was very, just very driven, which is good. It went too far. And then that it's also, yeah, I said, it's not a race because we don't enjoy our days if we're always trying to get to the next thing and the next milestone. It's so hard that part because we think that certain things are going to make us happy, but we should be pursuing 
amazing things, but it's allowing ourselves and figuring out getting the space in our lives to enjoy the present and enjoy the small things that we do and knowing that even a small, seemingly insignificant thing can, those are the things that actually change the world. No one would think that changing a baby's diaper is changing the world, but I think it's probably one of the most loving things that you could do for someone because they're helpless. So it's really, we are really learning a lot, especially becoming a parent. I've learned a lot. It's been very humbling. This has been so wonderful. And I want other people to be able to discover your wonder as well. So where can our listeners find you? And do you have any fun projects or specials coming up that they should know about? So the best place to go is our website, matchmakersinthecity.com. It has everything on there, signing up, learning more about what we do, learning about our process. And then I also have a website, matchmakerchristinaconti.com. That is my name, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-C-O-N-T-I is my maiden name. And I have a lot of just radio things that I've done on there and, and just articles that I've written. So if someone wants to deep dive on me, that's <laughs> probably the best place to go. But if they want to deep dive on matchmakers in the city, that other website is good. The projects that they can know about that would be exciting for them. We have a YouTube channel called Matchmakers in the City, and we release a new video every other Tuesday. And the Tuesday that we're not releasing a video, we have our podcast called Dating in the City. So if they want to just connect with us, that's a great way to just be part of the conversation. And my Instagram is at matchmaker Christina Conti, my Facebook too. So they can follow me like that as well. All the applicable links will be in the description. So check that out. Christina, you are a joy. You're like your whole aura just like lights up the room. We can't thank you enough. This has been awesome. It's so interesting to hear. We've had an, another love and dating expert on and it's really interesting to hear different thoughts. It's just like, it's really cool because you're getting such a complete picture of such a small thing and, and it's awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Time is everything. And thank you for giving up some of your beautiful day. It is absolutely my pleasure. You ladies are fantastic and so insightful and such a joy to, to speak with. So thank you for having me. You're wonderful. We had such a good time and we hope everyone listening will find their partner, maybe with the help of a matchmaker to sync up with someone and on that note we hope that you sync up with us next time <laughs>